državljandi podcast za aktivne državljane Here we are um, again you'll have to listen to my to my uh, pigeon english uh, today is it's the 26th of uh, March you're listening this on the 15th of April so welcome to the future um, with us today is uh, Joanna Moll um, she's an artist a researcher based in Barcelona in Berlin um, she didn't say if she's collecting cities starting on B. Uh, she's here in uh, Ljubljana on a, on a conference uh, uh, organized by Axioma. You probably missed it since it's happening on the day of the recording. Welcome, Joanna. Thank uh, you for having me. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's our pleasure. And uh, as, we, as we said, uh, let's open up with a, with a broad uh, with a broad question. Uh, your work tends to focus on um, information society, on uh, personal data, on data in general. Uh, and uh, if I can ask, does privacy invasion make for a good art? <laughs> it's a great <laughs> question. And sadly it does, uh, uh, because private, um, privacy invasion is pervasive. Uh, so many laws are broken, so many gray areas to explode. Most of the infrastructures that make all this possible are mostly hidden. So yeah, it's a very, very juicy topic, sadly, again, mm. yeah, but it is. And it's very necessary that artists take a look at it and very deep look at it. Okay. How do you see the role of, of the artist within the information society related to, to the topic of privacy invasion surveillance? I mean, I can talk from my side and also mm-hmm. the work that other people have been doing in these topics, such uh, like the Critical Engineering Group mm-hmm. and many others, which is to reveal uh, the way things work yeah? and to reveal hidden, not just hidden infrastructure, which is also super important, but also to reveal like all these processes and how data is being collected, how it's being uh, segmented, how it's being organized, and and how. Uh, all this ecosystem of companies are taking profit out of it, but exactly like all these tiny details, all these mechanisms that make it possible, right? Mm-hmm. And you can either explore, I think artists either explore like a very holistic or they have like a very holistic approach to it, or you can just explore like very tiny mechanisms, which is also very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that important? Because most of the infrastructures that take over in our lives are highly invisible, right? And there is no way we can take any agency or can have any agency on even our lives or our actions without knowing all the infrastructures and uh, processes that govern us. Simple mm-hmm. as this. Okay, but if you if we go a step further and if I can ask a slightly provocative question, <laughs> do you think interpreting uh, information society, surveillance society, personal data, through um, the auspices of, of art, do you think that sort of, in a way, muddles the discussion? In a way that people say, oh look, this is art, this is something that you know nobody can understand or nobody is supposed to understand because it's, it's art, and then they don't bother with looking at it as a, as a critical point mm. of view uh, related to their lives, to their to their devices, to their you know processes and stuff like that. I think it's a uh, it's a great question, by the way. Mm. Uh, it's a matter of context. It's a problem of context, right? Because if you just see something in the context of a gallery, what you say it might quite uh, be true. Not always, but I mean because also the public that has access to it, it's not so big, right? Mm-hmm. And there is public or, or yeah. 
I feel like a, a gallery space or an exhibition space, you have like an implicit bias, right? Mm-hmm. That what's there is art, that it's sort of isolated from society, even though it really looks deep at society. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of context in the way that what I do or what I tend to do is to go beyond, and it's hard, go beyond like all these exhibition uh, apparatus, mm-hmm. do workshops, uh, talk to people. I do also a lot of talking schools mm-hmm. as well. I talk to my grandma even, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about diffusing, and there is a lot of other artists that uh, are in this um, sort of limbo between art and research and education, which mm-hmm. is where I am. There is, a, well, you have a great example in Serbia, Sherlap, they're mm-hmm. also in the, same, uh, in the same area. So I think that's very important, and it does, it does help. For me, it's like I got really great results, and, and people really understood things, and mm-hmm. they sort of apprehended it, and... Yeah, it's been good. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of work to do in the area, mm-hmm. in that direction. Such as? Which are, the like, the <coughs> for you, the key problems or the key points that need pressure? In I think, in a way, it's, again, it's a context. Because, as I say, we are in a limbo. And it's, first, it's very hard to, like, the ones that we are in art, research, at these true transdisciplinary processes. Mm-hmm. They're not very well... Yeah, well, that's, um, let me reformulate this. In terms of funding, in terms of uh, exposure, in terms of, you really need to work in it. Mm-hmm. Which in a way, because it's a limbo and it gives you a lot of flexibility, but in the other hand, um, I don't think that society can give us a place where we can develop this further for now. Mm-hmm. You know, as. As, um, as in a museum, for example, you have art, you produce art, you exhibit art, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the academy, you produce knowledge, you read, uh, you uh, develop papers, but in the art and research, you are not in the art institution and you are not in the, in the academy, mm-hmm. right? So there is a lot of need to um, build all the sort of, and I'm talking about institutions, but organizations we can support this mm-hmm. um, in a... And now my also my English is quite pigeon <laughs> in in a, in a proper way. I mean, an example of this is Hangar, for example, mm-hmm. in Barcelona, which is an art research um, institution which does a lot of this. It has a lot of associate researchers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they are uh, com- well. Some of them come. They are coming from the academic mm-hmm. uh, background. Some of them are coming from art. Some of them are coming from other places. No, mm-hmm. but uh, you can just do research there as well. Mm-hmm. And create output. Mm-hmm. And how do you see? I mean, uh, today um, on the day of the recording, uh, we're recording this at, at 10, uh, uh, 10 in the morning, and we still don't have the results of the vote in the European Parliament regarding the, the copyright reform, which is happening today. I'm not going to ask you how that thing is going to go, but um, I'm going to ask you: um, Would you um, would you consider, or do you think that? doing or presenting the things that you do could be useful if it was happening in let's say the the building of the european parliament or on the on on a different uh, in a different building that is that is full of let's say decision makers yeah well it happened this to me very recently i, I gave this talk at the cpdp mm-hmm. it is a conference on that uh, in brussels mm-hmm. And I just brought to light, uh, I just was talking a lot the environmental impact of data and so on. And sadly, nobody at the conference was talking about this. Mm-hmm. But also when I just brought this up, 
nobody answered any question, uh, asked any question whatsoever. So it was very frustrating. I think it might make a difference, but I feel that it's very hard to change narratives in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what I felt in, um, in this conference, I think it's a very good example of what's going on in Brussels, because there was lobbies, there was politicians, there were um, not a lot of artists, mm-hmm. of course, but uh, policymakers and so on. And uh, I felt like everybody's very specialist in one thing, and they tend not to see like a holistic picture of uh, reality. And I don't feel they like it so much somehow. It's too confusing. Mm-hmm. It's too complex, right? Okay. But what yeah, may- I did answer your question, sorry. No, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> if I can just follow up. But do you think that it's a problem of perception or is it a problem of presentation? Do you think that if, if let's say, your research or the research that, that others do in the field of personal data surveillance would be more, um, would be more understandable if it was more, let's say, commercialized or more in a way of let's say startup meetups or you know marketing pitches maybe but that's also a problem mm-hmm. right because I mean in, in the case of start startuping everything right I mean everything that you propose at the end is just being uh, to have like a benefit right or to exploit some ideas to at the end have some economic uh, benefit mm-hmm. And I don't think that at the end can change many things, right? Because mm. the narratives stay the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what you said, I don't know. I don't know if it's more like the format or it's more like them willing to listen in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about creating spaces to have these dialogues more than presenting works better. Mm-hmm. Because what I felt in this conference, it was also the time. It was so fast. People didn't have time. Mm-hmm. They were running from one place to mm-hmm. the other. And I think they get very stre- uh, stressed with things that cannot be solved fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's One of it. Yeah, yeah? that's also true. Mm. But is it... Uh, so, let's talk more about presenting or interpreting the work that you do. I find it that a lot of times it's the personal experience of the people involved that truly makes a difference whether they get it or they don't. In a way that if you have a politician that has been, or a decision maker, or, or even, a, let's say, a general audience member that has been personally involved in a, let's say, privacy catastrophe or, or something similar, then that person is, by way of, you know, feeling this on, on its own person, more perceptive to you know interpretations to, mm. to new definitions and stuff while others are oh this is just happening to other people I'm not involved this doesn't concern me and it's not it's not relevant to me while on the other hand art should be or should I, I see it or I understand art also for a function of being able to to bridge the gap between you know to bring you like a like an experience that you you didn't have on your own but you know through mm-hmm. art you can you can you can get something or you, you can understand something so what i'm basically proposing or saying is that maybe we should we should put all of them through for like a ringer or for like a like a circus where you know all the bad things that can happen yeah, exactly. Do happen and then. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a great point because now you made me think. Uh, <laughs> not, like, 
in art, you always tend to to say like people need to adopt art, right? Like mm -hmm. when you talk about transdisciplinary research, like in yep. the academy, no, let's bring an artist. When you talk about uh, doing things with artists in the industry, yeah, let's bring an artist. But I think it should be the other way around, right? It's what you propose. No, the art, should, let's bring a policymaker, let's bring a politician, let's bring uh, industrial stakeholders. I think that should be the other way around in order for this to be effective, which I think it's what you say, it's, yeah. Mm. Maybe we can try that. I can adopt a policymaker <laughs> next time. <laughs> Maybe we should we should uh, organize like these um, um, residencies for politicians. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but that's I mean, no, seriously, that could be a good idea. Just yeah, politicians' residency. Yeah, meet your artist. <laughs> No, but, but no kidding. Yeah, maybe it could be some experiment uh, that could be done. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. Because uh one, one of my problems, so we uh, have this uh, NGO called Citizen D from 2015. Uh, I myself have been active in, in the Slovene NGO sector from, let's say, my student years. And I was always focusing on, on tech. And on the other hand, so I, I graduated from journalism, then I went into advertising, then I went... Hmm. So it, I basically made a, like a full circle around the, around the place and I can see different aspects. And what always interested me is exactly this interdisciplinary approach. So you can't solve everything with tech, you can't solve everything with, with social sciences, you can do this by combining stuff. But uh, speaking about NGO, and I'm going to use the term industry, is that, as you said, everything is predetermined, everything is like, you know, it's, it's in a way already been decided, you have to fill the brackets and, and comply with, with, and if you don't do that, then you just don't get grants, which are the main proponent of, of this, let's say, industry. What happens then is that certain people tend to hack grants or to develop like a skill for, for, I call it grant hacking, maybe that should be like an artistic experiment as well <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in this circus. Um, but um, uh, the problem is that then certain things never get on the, on the menu because they don't fit the, the profile or, the, mm -hmm. or the, like the, the narrative or the agenda. So my question would be, do you think it's possible to change that narrative? Or is it better to just realize, okay, this industry is completely useful, useless in what I do, we or I should go out and seek funding or support or, you know, should create my own, like, industry? Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, so now we, um, with Hunger, we ask for a very, very huge grant that we didn't get and we were wondering the same question because we had to put like a research on the environmental impact of uh, networks mm -hmm. um, into sort of a startup, but it was like an artistic, a transdisciplinary uh, research on this. But we had to reformulate it as if it was yeah, like the best startup on earth, no? And it did, we didn't have it because obviously this wasn't the point and at the end we were happy we didn't have it in that respect because mm -hmm. This was an ask, but it's sad because we also need this kind of money, right, to do mm -hmm. things. Uh, I mean, anywhere you're going to ask for money, the people that will uh, get you money, they have their own agenda and things to fulfill. So, yeah, I don't know. 
we can play the lottery as much as we can. <laughs> but uh, donate non-essential organs. Exactly. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. And even if we would have the money to lend, we would have our own agenda as well, right? So mm -hmm. let's think about it the other way around. Uh, a startup is just asking money to us, right? We mm -hmm. say, yeah, guy, just try to do something a little bit, <laughs> you know, more artistic. Yeah. So yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's it's complicated. Mm. Uh, I mean, at the end, I think that there is always like uh, these grants allow you some flexibility, right? So as far as it allows you to do most of the research or, more, or most of the work that you are willing to do, well, you always have to compromise at some point. And I think it's good that work like this, um, like we do, activism goes through like industrial stakeholders and societal stakeholders that otherwise I wouldn't have this kind of uh, perspective mm. on on stuff that, mm. uh, that's really necessary to explore. Mm. Um, one other thing or one other topic that I was interested in discussing with you is since you come from basically from, from Spain, from Barcelona, and you also live on work in, in Berlin, um, I find Barcelona one of the most interesting cities in Europe and even globally in relations to, to their IoT smart city policies. Um, and I was just wondering if you could share like your insight comparing Barcelona and Berlin um, on the on the topic of information society perception policies. Well, I would love to answer this question, but I can't. I have no clue what's going on in Berlin. As okay. now I'm mostly in Barcelona. Okay. And in Barcelona, the thing is, like I could start criticizing a lot of stuff that's going on there, but mm -hmm. I don't know enough. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, okay. I prefer okay. <laughs> to keep it for now. Yeah. Then we'll just move on to, as you said before, what are the other things that, that as a society or as a, as a let's say, critical society, uh, intermedia um, um, artists should, should focus on? The, what topics? So what are you looking in right now or what do you think other people should be looking at? Yeah, for me now, the most critical aspects about information uh, society is the huge environmental impact of, uh, of data. Yeah, and uh, not just data, it's about all the infrastructures that make uh, data, that allow data to, uh, to uh, exist, right? Mm -hmm. And especially there is like an alarming issue, which is the Internet of Things, which mm -hmm. will just increase uh, that will base the amount of uh, connected devices to the internet and the amount of uh, data that we will create. Um, and, and that's super urgent because we don't have enough resources at all. And the planet is going to hell. And we're just adding more layers of, uh, of complexity to it and we don't really need it now. Mm. So yeah, that's my biggest concern right now, more than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um. Do you think that's, I mean, do you think um, the, the environmental impact is happening because people don't have the knowledge about it or they don't have the, let's say, the tools to, to um, let's say, fight back or to respond to it? I think like it's a very complex mix of a lot of uh, reasons. Mm -hmm. First, when it comes to the environmental impact of data, and I think it can apply to other industry. It's very hard to understand what's your footprint, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the consequences of anything that you would do uh, online. Mm -hmm. This is number one. And second, it's also 
very hard when all the responsibility falls in the individual, yeah? Uh, instead of the political class, the industrial class, the style, the, well, I mean, it, it just, it's like where this leaves you, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do much. I think that people is really frustrated and also there is no, not enough public knowledge, not enough uh, policy in that respect, and therefore not enough tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically it's a big mm. mess. <laughs> as, as you mentioned right now, the, the, the part where, um, where people are, are left with decision that it's either you or nobody, I mean in terms of personal responsibility or personal engagement mm. and stuff. Why do you think, or how do you think that happened? How do you think, and, and it basically translates to every other, or to almost every other aspect of, of information society, you know, privacy, oh, it's your fault, uh, security, oh, it's your fault. So how did we went from uh, a society, a democratic society, where you have um, some sort of systemic, um, systemic organizations that are protecting you that are you know you give them basically part of your political power political rights and in return you get security privacy and hmm. all those stuff how do you think we we came into this oh now you're on your own you know grab a gun and a shovel and let's go i think we came to this one the moment that politicians are not really not all of them right but they're not really doing politics anymore and <laughs> no i mean it's true and it's this like I, I don't trust any politician around me do you do you have like any fate i no. mean maybe a single politician but in the system well that they have to operate then i i can counter that question with the question of what do you see or what do you think a politician should do because there again i see two two examples mm. of you know oh a politician is a device we own and we bought and this device is working on its own but it should always work in compliance with our interests so we're not going to bother with it but the the device should know what our interest is as opposed to okay you have this really stupid device <laughs> without any content and you should constantly feed them your content and you should constantly, it's basically like adopting a, a really young kid. You know, you should constantly teach it and tell it what to do and what not to do. So. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it feels now that we are in this second phase, mm -hmm. but this little child is not listening. That's true. You know, yeah. and, and I think that's very problematic because politicians, I mean, it's a figure that they should sort of understand what they're doing and they shouldn't mm -hmm. need constant feedback other than just opening their ears and listening to what's happening you know, and mm -hmm. being able to uh, ask the proper people and to be interested. I don't think you need more than interest and willingness. Mm. But I don't see, and, and again, when I went to the CPDP conference, mm -hmm. I saw there that nobody asked me a single question and this is a critical issue that nobody talked about in this conference about the mm -hmm. environmental impact of the internet right mm -hmm. so i think they are too caught up in i don't know which reality or, or which system and and i'm sure that a lot of them are very frustrated as well right but mm -hmm. yeah i don't know it's it's hard mm -hmm. yeah sorry i don't have an answer no, but, it's, um, it's just hmm. so so my question or my follow-up would be I think it, it depends on the definition because then you come into the on, onto the field of, of civic duty and active citizenship and stuff mm. and, and political participation, which again, especially in the in the information society has been 
in a way trivialized and in 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 another way it it has been put under a spell by by technology my first one of my first project in 2018 was basically um analyzing different aspects of uh, e-democracy and e-participation mm. in 10 years and that, that's just 10 years ago um we were saying things like you know technology will solve problem of of um Uh, political apathy you know people don't go out to vote because you know if they had a voting machine on their phone the participation would go through the roof mm-hmm. and and now we see that it's that's not the case and it's a problem of content not the procedures but uh, in just like short 10 years the the political discourse on technology has completely you know changed sides you know, now it's the bad technology and the oligarchs and it's true mark the the emperor and stuff like that um so so in relate in relation to that i i'm always interested to see how the politicians are behaving around people like you who are showing them different interpretations of politics oh, of technology sorry um yeah. haven't been so much about around politics <laughs> I have to say, um, yeah, but one thing that surprised me a bit, oh, well, in Barcelona, in Barcelona case, I mean, the mm. research we are doing at Angar mm-hmm. is, uh, is quite important in that respect, in um, revealing hidden infrastructures, revealing not just uh, the materiality of it, but revealing like all this ecosystem of uh, financialization of data and mm-hmm. so on. Um, and the city hall never really came to talk to us mm. or there hasn't we didn't have any conversation which mm. is quite weird right so mm. i felt like it's sort of a very inaccessible uh, realm three mm. city hall of barcelona mm-hmm. and yeah i don't know this is the, like the only experience i had lately which uh, sort of uh, triggered some alarms like mm-hmm. yo what's happening here you know and all the insights that I cannot uh, discuss here mm. publicly but okay. but yeah but it's uh, that's the that's the reason I asked you to, um, to compare Barcelona and Berlin because on the outside you can see and there's been a sort of development in that area in Slovenia as well so smart cities and omnipresent mm. technology Barcelona is being put up by like like a good example of how this thing should should plan out Like your the the city is listening to to the audience or to the citizens that um, the technologies are being implemented uh, in a way that correspond with civic demand or that mm. they're not too invasive in a way or that they the integration happens with like in accordance with public wishes mm. and or um, acknowledgement. So yeah, which. I tell you, like, I don't know the details, but I'm pretty sure that there is an effort that they're doing in that respect, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that in some ways they are like great, uh, a very good example on how to implement uh, these technologies without being invasive, I just said. But then, on the other hand, there is, I don't think they have like a whole picture, like anybody does, like we don't do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, who is behind the production of our devices? Mm-hmm. What's happening to the data mm-hmm. beyond? 
being used in a, you know, after you release it, mm-hmm. you know, beyond being in the circuit of City Hall or in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a few years ago, one of the, one of the biggest comp- uh, conferences on smart cities in Barcelona, it was funded partially by Palantir. Mm. It's like, how are these guys here? And you, want, and you propose like an ethical approach to all these technologies, right? Which it can be, and I know it's contradictory, and, mm-hmm. uh, but it's something quite worrying as well, because like, if there is these guys behind these companies, behind all these, behind, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end, like the amount of data that they can suck from cities like Barcelona and uh, all the very ethically implemented technologies, it's massive, right? Mm-hmm. So. As long as you are not able to control like the whole wheel, I think it's very hard to talk about ethical technology. Mm-hmm. But which again, it's really hard mm-hmm. uh, because uh, just um, all the technology that we operate, like for example, like uh, Microsoft has is producing like 99% of the chips uh, that operate the internet. Right, there is no way to escape from that because mm-hmm. we need it. So. Seems that there is so many agents where you need to negotiate with. Uh, yeah, it's exhausting, isn't it? Mm. It's hard. Yeah. Mm. Maybe you should let the computer do it. Exactly. <laughs> we need an ethical computer <laughs> to decide on, yeah. on other computers. But if I can, for for the conclusion of our podcast, touch upon the that same topic of of ethical technology development. How should we get about that? I mean, because it's a topic that's been in the news, let's say, recently or currently, because we realize that, again, um, the techno empires are being just too too blunt about about their power and not considerate enough about the the, the their users or their their uh, their subjects. Um, on the other hand, you have this. Um, I guess you could call it this um, this imbalance between the developers and the other guys. Mm-hmm. And now you can't. Now we're basically looking at each other, deciding on who should lead this conversation about ethical development, about uh, being conscious that technology you they develop is not just a just a piece of machine, but it's a machine that fits into a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So how do you have any suggestions, like how to save the world? <laughs> yeah, well, in that regard, I, I was uh, I gave a lecture at the uh, Universitat uh, Autonomous University of Barcelona last week, and there was a couple of engineers, and we exactly discussing that, right? Like the role of the engineer is like very limited, but it's very broad at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me it's like this must be might be very utopic. but I think that one of the main things that should anybody should take in account when developing technology is nature and our environment Um, because something that's highly marginalized I mean you don't take it into account right and I feel that if nature would be like the first agent uh, which will define how technology should look like, like uh, the resources that it would mm-hmm. use, how it would be built, um, the energy that would waste. I think somehow a lot of things would get balanced accordingly. I'm not sure how this might work, mm-hmm. yeah? Uh, but just imagine, you have a phone, right? Mm-hmm. And all the elements, I mean, uh, a phone, an iPhone has more than 10,000 different components. Yeah, and it actually, how is it built? It has more than the third... Uh, yeah, a third of all the elements that we know, which is massive. It's a super complex entity, right? Mm-hmm. So what if this device could be just designed in a way 
that would take nature into account probably wouldn't have 10,000 parts. Mm -hmm. Probably these 10,000 parts wouldn't come from 700 different locations mm -hmm. that are coming with the, um, with the ship, which is highly polluting. Mm -hmm. um, then probably this device would be designed to last 40, 50, 100 years, right? And like all the political implications that this would have in the whole society just mm. by rethinking the design of a phone, it's massive. Mm. Yeah, Maybe it wouldn't even take be the shape of a phone, maybe it would be something else, mm -hmm. yeah? Mm. But it could fulfill sort of the same uh, function. So I think, well, that's my utopic view, that I think it's... Yeah. And do you see, <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> that the question is not, is not uh, the final question is not going to bum you out too much, um, but do you see that happening, at least partially? Do you see the conversation about environment, tech development and ethics happening in, in the wild, at least in some areas? Not really, I have to say. And also initiatives that they propose to be more fair, more just, they're not even like that. I had a fair phone and I had a, like, you know what a fair phone mm -hmm. is, yeah? So my screen broke and they promised I could be a modular phone, right? So it was like, oh, yuppie, I can go to the shop and get a new screen and I don't need to get a new phone because mm -hmm. this, the, the menu didn't work. I mean, the phone was useless. Mm -hmm. Say, no, we don't have and we're not going to produce more. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, then what? It's like, no, no, you cannot replace the screen because that's it. You have to use the, uh, the fair phone screen. So I had to throw the phone. This happened to three or four or five friends of mine that mm -hmm. also got the fair phone. Mm -hmm. So, and also according to a study, I don't know when it was published, but not so long ago, they said that they could just be 3% fair, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is, I know that these guys won and, and try hard, but so at the end, everything came from a modular phone that it can be modular because it's not sustainable to produce mm. more screens, mm. uh, that it's just 3% fair, even if they try really hard. Mm. Quite, um, yeah, hopeless. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, just uh, to to uh, to conclude on a on a on a let's say a more positive level, what what is the thing that you're most optimistic about in in regards to ethical development, in regards to uh, broadening the the or including different. Um, parties in the conversation of you know tech development of the techno-deterministic society mm. of all the things that you cover in your previous and let's say current current project research i think that people he uh people's trying is starting to understand that things have to change and i think that people is also mobilizing a lot towards uh, this goal um and yeah, I think that's a very, a very good thing. People is willing to listen, which this is also very good. And there is more and more people that is more aware of, uh, yeah, what's going on, and people that, especially artists and researchers, and they're doing a lot of work towards these issues. And yeah, that gives me hope. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank um, you. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been uh, Joanna Moll, the Citizen D podcast. Uh, we'll be here uh, next month. Um, I guess uh, we can conclude with another call for ethical thinking about tech. You know, you can't have too little of that. So uh, think hard and we'll see you next month. <laughs>